presence of the Lord is so gracious. It's good to see everybody. Y'all look so nice. Clean. It's good to look clean. It's really good to smell clean. Tell him, Calvin. Yeah, yeah, he says, yeah. She sends him up here to get those jars and then says, don't drop them now. Of course he's not going to drop them. Oh, hallelujah. Happy birthday to Sister Jerry Joe. So great to have such an anointed music director, isn't it? It's always awesome to have somebody like that that loves God above everything else and pours everything they can into worship and, and uh, making sure that we are blessed with the presence of the Lord. God bless her so much. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, we're going to read just one verse, and uh, it's right in the Beatitudes, where the Beatitudes are the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, um, what most people recognize as the Lord's first sermon. His first message was to the devil. <clears throat> Told him to shut up and let him have some time to minister to people. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, but then he, uh, after he told the devil to leave, he started reaching people. and uh, And so the Lord started with the Sermon on the Mount, talking to folks and uh, trying to trying to reach the souls of of that day and every single day, even till today and beyond. Amen. And so, in verse six, he he's going through these: blessed are the poor, blessed are the they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Here in verse six, he says, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And uh, he is speaking to a lot of people who are um, wanting righteousness, but the only righteousness that they had for... uh, Examples were those of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were hungering and thirsting after real righteousness. And here they are all uh, gathered together and um, listening to Jesus speak about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And they there's there's a shift, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about what are we hungry for? What are 
we hungry for. Father, you're wonderful. We praise you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, Jesus. We give you the praise. You're mighty, Lord. And you're holy, Lord. And you're glorious, Lord. And you're all-powerful. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood and your name. And we ask, God, that you cover us with everything tonight. We need you. We praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Tell somebody how great they look and how wonderful it is to have them in the house of the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> since we're not Facebook Live, I guess I can misbehave tonight. No, just kidding. Brother Aaron says he's still recording me. Oh, brats. <clears throat> Here I thought I could just let my hair down, but it doesn't work. It stands up anyway. So anyway, <laughs> well, the, the Beatitudes are important. Um, the, the, when, when we read through the Beatitudes, and we've studied the Beatitudes before, and we've talked about the Beatitudes time and again, and, and so tonight I just want to cover this hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But uh, this one here there's there's a little bit of a turning point he's not too far in he's only three or four this is the fourth one in and and there's a turning point here where the lord presents the idea that there must be a certain amount of hunger if you will for these spiritual matters for of man to actually start to work You can't just sit around and wait for the Spirit to move you. You have to have a bit of a hunger. I have seen people sitting in church service after church service after church service. People are dancing and people are worshiping. And they don't hunger for anything at all. So they just sit there like a a dead piece of bark, tree bark or something. Not moving at all because there's no hunger in them. I am a firm believer, and I think everybody here pretty much knows that now, that there's going to be just enough problem in life to stir hunger. There's always going to be something to make you hungry. I think the the whole idea of hungering and thirsting after righteousness wasn't a secondary idea to the Lord. I think it was a primary idea. I think He created our bodies to need fuel, to be hungry and to be thirsty and to wear down and to energize up. I think He created those these bodies to do so because He recognized our spirit needed to be fed. And in order for us to have any kind of understanding of hunger and thirst for spiritual things, we must first become acquainted with hunger and thirst for physical things. 
It wasn't the, he said, I think you need to be hungry in your body. He says, I think you need to recognize that what is physical in you is also spiritual in you. I don't think God said, well, I think I'll just make it so they can be hungry and thirsty. I don't think that was that that was a secondary thought. I think primary, he said, they need to know what hunger is and they need to know what thirst is. And the only way he could do that and make us because we are kind of dense sometimes is to make us very well aware of it in our physical being. What we are aware of in our physical being, we can easily translate that into our spiritual being. If we're paying attention. We can easily say, oh yeah, that happens spiritually too. If we're paying attention. But what we end up doing is in our physical being, we have lost our hunger. We live, we live in such a society that we are not burning the energy that we're given. We live in a society, a very gluttonous society. We overeat, we overdrink, and we oversleep. And we underwork. And it's no wonder because of the way the physical society is, there is absolutely no wonder that the spiritual part of our nation is in trouble. Our physical beings are in trouble and it's absolutely no wonder at all that our spirit beings are in trouble. Because we have forgotten what hunger is. We've been too filled. You know the amazing thing in the Bible, we read about fasting a lot in the Bible, and that's, and that's, that's kind of a, 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 a very important part of your spirit, man. But uh, we read about this in the Bible, but, but we also see people who are not intentionally fasting, but they're not eating like we do. You know, everybody says, well, you have to have three square meals a day. In fact, they tell you to, uh, you know, that you, if you're very active and very busy, you should probably eat four or five times a day. And, and, and I understand that. I kind of like to do that myself. Just feed me and feed me and feed me and feed me and feed me. I, I like to be fed. But anyway, the, but, but we, we, we have to recognize that the, in the Bible, the culture was they were impoverished. They were under, when Jesus came into the world, they were under such incredible Roman oppression that they, uh, you, you thought reading about the rations in World War II in America were bad. These folks were rationed without any kind of war going on. They didn't have anything. 
They didn't have any money. They didn't have any food. The, <clears throat> the ones that did have the food were the gluttons, and, and, they, and they were always just feasting. And, and they would feast um, <coughs> usually uh, uh, once a, a week, and then after that, they would just nibble a little bit here and there. They didn't have the, the opportunity to just sit down and have a family meal like we have and don't take advantage of. So they, they starved for a time to sit down as a family and actually eat. We read in the Old Testament, we read about the, the, the widow that just had just a little cruise of oil and a little bit of meal and she was going to, and the preacher comes along and says, yeah, make it for me first. Well, I, you know, I was just going to bake this little cupcake for my child and we were going to eat it and then we were just going to die. And Elijah says, yep, sounds like a good idea. Feed me. Of course, we, we know the rest of the story. And we, we, understand, we understand the whole principle of that is that you, you take care of the, the, the ministry first and, and you will be taken care of very, very graciously. And Elijah goes away from there not looking for another meal and she goes and, and as he leaves, her cupboards are filled up. He doesn't ask her for anything else. Her cupboards are full though. Her cupboards are full and he doesn't, all he gets was a cupcake. He got his little cupcake and went on his way and she opens up her cabinets and wow, food for days and days and days and days. She recognized if she's going to starve to death, the first thing she's going to do is take a chance and feed the man of God because I'm dying, let him live. And she ends up, her and her son end up eating very, very well from that point on. But we, we, we see this throughout Scripture. We see where there's, there's food, and then we see where there's famine. We see there's food, and then they see there's famine. We see there's food, and they see, see there's famine. So, so what, 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 is the, what, what is the principle there? The Lord is always telling us to balance things. Instead of when you have all the food, don't just eat all the food. Put some away. Budget that food because there's going to be times of lean. There's times of plenty and there's times of lean. You need to have some storage. God wants us to be hungry enough, but He doesn't want us starving. Starvation turns you into a whole different animal. Starvation makes you lose your mind. Starvation makes you lose your focus. Starvation makes you, makes you go into a whole different emotional realm. He wants us hungry for, spirit, for righteous things. How do we get hungry for righteous things? We have to experience the unrighteousness around us. Now, I'm not telling you go out and do a bunch of sinning. You have to have something make you hungry. The Lord, the Lord isn't saying, I want you to go out and sin so you get hungry for righteousness. No, he's going he, he's gonna to allow enough unrighteousness happen around you that you're going to have no other option but to find an altar. He's not trying to cause fear. He's trying to stir hunger. 
He wants the, the spiritual hunger to move a person into action. Spiritual hunger is going to motivate you. Most likely, we've all made observations in the past about those who seem to advance in their spiritual walk at a, at a little bit more rapid pace than others. Amen? You've, you've looked around and said, yep, those are growing fast. And, and you look around others and say, man, they're not growing at all. Or you say the same about yourself as I can't, I can't seem to grow at all while well, they're growing faster and faster and faster. Um, you, you know the ones that, that tend to grow the fastest are the ones who recognize that they're hungry. And they eat. They can't get enough of the Word. They can't get enough of the Spirit. They can't get enough worship. They can't get enough church. They can't get enough Bible study. They eat and eat and eat. They're not gluttons, but they are regenerating themselves. And they are being formed by God with that. The thing is, every single one of us can have rapid growth in the kingdom. It's just, what are you hungry for? We, we see a, a, a picture in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, about spiritual hunger. It's a story of a rich young ruler. A further profile can be, can, can be seen in Matthew and Luke, verse, chapter 19 and chapter 18, respectively. John is strangely silent in his omission of the young man. But the profile of man uh, from, from three accounts proves to us that he was a young man who was rich and held a position of a ruler. He was a young man who was highly principled. He was highly motivated. He was very successful as far as his talents, as far as his wealth, as far as his money went. He had invested his talents very wisely. He didn't didn't, uh, put them away uh, somewhere where where they weren't going to be used, but he put them somewhere where they were going to to grow and and it was going to gain power instead of lose power. Uh, he He didn't hoard them away to be buried in, in some place uh, obscure. He wanted to invest. He wanted to invest. And the amazing thing is the Lord teaches us about investing, doesn't he? He teaches us a lot about investing. What's the purpose of investing? Increase. Amen? The purpose is to increase. And God teaches us about investing in the Scripture. He doesn't tell us to gamble, but He does tell us to invest. He tells us where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if your heart's in the right place, your treasure's going to grow a little bit. Oh, everybody's sitting there thinking, well, how come I don't have a million dollars? I didn't say anything about money. I was talking about your heart, not your money. Your treasure isn't just, it isn't just dollar bills. Your, your, your treasure is far more than your dollar bills. Your treasure is a lot of things. It's not just your money, but when we say treasure, we think money. Money's included in that. Absolutely, it's included in that. But, if, uh, but, but so many people, they're not even investing their money. 
Don't think investing your time is going to give you a huge return if you can't if you can't drill down to that very, very, very initial investment of your money. If you don't have the initial investment of your finances, the rest of the things that you invest, you're just going to be you're just going to be wasting energy on. The Bible teaches us about stewardship. Amen. And the first thing about stewardship is your time. And the second thing about your stewardship is going to be your treasure. And both of those, it's not number one and number two. It's, it's both of them have to go together. The amazing thing is what you invest your money in, you'll also invest your time in. You're going to put your time where your money is. Because you're gonna because you're gonna see that as, as as an investment worthwhile. If you think paying your tithes is just paying a bill, you're not gonna get very far in the kingdom. But when you look at it as this is an investment. This is an investment in the kingdom and my time is going to go along with it and I'm going, to, I'm going to put my time and I'm going to put my treasure and I'm going to put my talent to work for God and the Lord is going to grow you in places that you just did not expect. He's going to grow areas in your life that you just did not expect anything in that area. He's going to to start stirring up stuff in your life and planting and and harvesting and bringing increase in areas of your life you didn't think he would even ever even notice was there. And God's going to do it. You find people stingy in the kingdom of God and you're going to find their families fall apart. Oh, did I say that out loud? Hmm. It is very true. Very true. So anyway, this, this young man, he's, he's filled with honesty and he's filled for the, with the love of God and for God. And he, he has the markings of discipline. He has an ex- excellent quality, at which, which is an excellent quality. He, he approaches the Lord with a posture of respect and submission and reverence. That is something lacking in our day. A posture of respect, a posture of submission, and a posture of reverence. We cannot let those three things lack in our lives. As soon as we let down on one, we're going to let down on all. God is still to be revered. We tend to think that offering reverence to God is we're offering reverence to an authority we don't like. Well, you're going to have authority in your life. It's either you give yourself to the authority of the Lord or you receive the wrong end of the authority of the world. There will be authority in your life. When the, when the, the Jews were under such Roman oppression because they were not under godly submission. 
You will see the children of Israel, whenever they submitted to God, the Lord stepped in and fought their battles. But when they held back submitting to God and offering God reverence and respecting the things of God, when they started, when, when they started treating the things of God like they were toys and, 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 and idols and, and, and just playthings, when they started treating the things of God with, with, without reverence and without respect, the Lord let other oppressors come in. This, this guy didn't want to be antagonistic towards God at all. He wasn't trying to be antagonistic towards the Lord with the, the question that he posed. But it's, it's not the objective of this, of this message tonight to, to move through all the angles of that account. What, what we are trying to do is get a crucial note here that, that there's, there needs to be a great pursuit towards something that's going to advance us. There needs to be a pursuit towards something that will advance us in the kingdom. How many people are sick and tired of moving backwards in the kingdom and you want to start moving forward? There's a, there's a remedy for it. There's a real remedy for it. And, and a lot of times what happens when, when the world gets hungry... The world doesn't know this Holy Spirit like you and I do. The world doesn't go to effectual, fervent prayer like you and I do. The world doesn't go to an altar and pour themselves out to God, burdened for the lost and burdened for the situations going on like you and I do. The world generally drops into depression or they chase after a chemical. They recognize there's a spiritual hunger. They just don't know where to get fed. So they go after the spirits of this world. Crazy thing is, the Lord will teach you how to pray. And so will the world. It's easier to learn it from God than it is from the world. It's easier to, it's easier to, to obey that, that little pang of the Holy Ghost when he's, when he's, when he's waking you up, when he's, when he's talking to you, when, he, when you're driving down the road and, and he's speaking to you. And it's easier to obey that little, that, that little poke of the Holy Ghost than it is to feel the crushing pressure of the world around you. It's easier to pray through the the little poke than it is to try to cry out of the intense pressure. The Lord will teach you how to pray. And so will the world. The world, however, it doesn't necessarily teach you the right way to pray. The world will keep you begging God for relief. Well, the Lord will say, just come.
come and talk to me. Come and let us reason together. Let's let's work this all out. Let's let's. It, it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're disciplining your children. Don't wait until you're mad, because then it's not discipline. Then it's just outright beating the fire out of them. And so you can't you, you can't wait until and and you, the, because that's that's how we react to the world as well. When we wait until the world has pushed us down so far, we just growl and spit and throw fits. And when we cry out to God, all we're doing is begging for relief. Remember this morning. Remember that that that, that thing that's right there, right there at the cash register at just about every store you go to. You got two choices, pain relief and energy. Last two choices before you get out of that store, you better relieve your pain and you better get some energy. It boggles my mind that every store you go to, you're standing there, well, I've got some pain relief and I've got energy, the two biggest commodities that everybody wants. I need to relieve my pain and I need some energy. But here, here, here we are where, where God is saying, I, I, can, I can bring you to a place because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But the fervency of the pressured man is going to be, just relieve me. It's just going to be crying out for relief. Relieve my pain and give me a little energy to go on a little further. All it is is just a last ditch effort. Just God, give me. Instead of God, I give you. There's nothing wrong with us asking and knocking because the Lord tells us to keep asking, keep knocking. He tells us to keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. But somewhere down the line, He's trying to also tell us, why, why don't you just come and talk to me? Why, why do you have to wait? Why do you have to try to do things your own way until you're so crushed because the truth of the matter is, let's just really be honest. Millions don't make it back to the altar. But everybody makes it to the grave. I don't know about you, but I get kind of tired of people going to the grave that know how to pray and just simply refuse to do it. I get tired of seeing entire families falling apart because they're just too upset to take it to the Lord 
in prayer. They'll take it to the court and they'll sue one another and they'll fight amongst themselves but they won't take it to the Lord in prayer. We can easily, easily come to understand the Lord is getting at this thought when He presents the matter of hungering for what is holy and righteous. Psalm 42, Psalm 63, Psalm 84, Psalm 107, John chapter 6. We can easily come to understand this is kind of what God's getting at. There's, there's another crucial matter that bears thought of the idea of being filled with this goodness and holiness while we're in this world. We, we, we think of the fall of man in Genesis 3 in several different ways. We, we generally think of this matter only in a spiritual terms involving the soul, but it involved not only the soul of man, but it involved also the body of man as well. The reason our bodies deteriorate, the reason that, that time really takes its toll, the reason that uh, di- different age and sickness and disease and all of that is because sin cursed mankind. Um, we, we tend to think, well, you know, it was just the soul that was damaged. The, 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 the spirit died, but the physical man also started ailing. When your spirit is not alive in Christ, your physical being is going to be affected a lot more than you understand. Watch somebody who is emotionally distraught. Watch them for a while, and it won't be long, and they're going to be physically ailing as well. Watch people who are such under such emotional duress where if they just took the time to pray and, and to pray more than just give me, give me, give me and get, give me a pain reliever and some energy to get through this day. You know, that last spot at the cash register, cha-ching, got to have my pain reliever and my bananas and my onions and my energy. If you can just get past that. I, I made a I, I kind of made a little bit of a pact with myself and and I'm not bragging and it's been it hasn't been very easy, but I I, uh, I haven't taken an ibuprofen once this year. And I used to eat a bottle a month. But I kind of said, Nope, I'm not gonna do it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm going to I'm going to find I'm I'm going to be active a little bit. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to refocus. I'm going to push through. I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do something different. I cannot keep eating a liver killer. The doctor didn't tell me I had to. But the doctor started pointing me away from it. I didn't have, I didn't have no problems, no, no problems with, um, with uh, uh, my liver. In fact, I get it checked probably at least twice a year. I get it checked because uh, they, they want to they, they wanna prove to me that my, you know, they, they just want to find something wrong with you. Once you turn 45, they want to find something wrong. 
I mean, it's like they're like, yep, something's wrong. Got to do this and got to do that. And um, they, they just I, I think they just really, really want to find something wrong with you. And uh, and, and so um, I, I made sure that I, I need I need my liver. You kind of need yours, too, but I don't care about yours. I care about mine. <laughs> I, I need my liver. Um, your liver is your blood filter. And if, if my liver's healthy, my blood's going to be healthy. I've never been anemic, probably because I ate too much dirt when I was a kid. You know, raising hogs is kind of funny. If you have your hogs on on pasture, you never have to give them iron. But if you have them inside confined animals, you have to give them iron shots because if they're out rooting around in the dirt, they get plenty of iron from the dirt. So you never have to give them any iron. They just they always have iron. And, uh, and and so when when you're butchering uh, an animal that was uh, raised outside versus an animal that was raised inside, the blood of the outside animal is really, 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 really dark. And the blood of the inside animal is not so much. It's not pink, but... It, it's not dark. It's it's lighter, and you can you can tell just by looking at the blood on the ground. You can tell that which one was raised inside, which one's raised outside. Why? Because of the iron level. The iron level of the animal raised outside is much higher than the iron level of the one raised inside. You can you can give it iron shots like crazy, and it's it's going to sustain it, but it's never going to make it taste like a pasture animal. There's a whole difference, you know. All the all the whole grass fed and and grass raised and and field raised and all that different stuff that they've got going on now there's a reason they do that is because it tastes different but it's also much much healthier anyway i'm getting hungry i hope you i'm hungry what am i hungry for right now (laughs) but uh, but but i i gotta throw in those little commercials every now and then but uh, but but anyway you when, when you start to take a look at different things you start to say hey i need some areas of my life to be healthier than other areas of my life because if i can get this area healthier then the rest of it is going to the the rest of it's going to continue to get healthier as well and you you find those areas the number one place that any doctor is going to tell you is the most important thing to keep healthy is emotionally they tell you stay emotionally healthy because the rest of it follows suit if you're emotionally healthy you're going to be a little bit more motivated to exercise and eat right and all that good stuff if you're emotionally healthy if you're emotionally healthy you're going to have natural energy you ever notice depressed people don't have much energy? Anybody ever notice that? When people start telling me I just don't have any energy, first thing I want to know is, is, is what's wrong? Is it physical or is it emotional? Nine out of ten times it's emotional. And emotional is going to affect you physically. 
And when you, when you can't physically do anything because you're emotionally captured and arrested and you can't physically do anything, what's left to crumble is your spirit man if you're in the church. If you're not in the church, there is no spirit man to crumble. Your spirit is that last effort to raise you up. That, that, that still, small voice, when you lay down, if, if, you've ever, if you've ever been emotionally arrested, you know what it's like to lay down and have bantering thoughts. Remember the old commercial or the old cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other? That had to have been somebody who was depressed wrote that. Because they know exactly what it's like to lay down and have these bantering thoughts. These thoughts that are going back and forth. One saying you can do this, the other saying you might as well just cut your throat. It's horrific. But the thing is, we don't have an angel sitting on this shoulder. We have a God living in this body. So when the devil comes by and and, and starts to throw those bantering thoughts, we don't have an angel fighting that devil. We have a Holy Ghost that is within saying, Get out of here we can start to sing we can start to pray we can start but but if we are not listening to that holy spirit inside of us if we're not listening to that spiritual mind we're going to allow those ugly voices to conquer us if we're not letting god teach us how to pray we're going to be forced to have the world teach us how to pray. And praying under the influence of the Lord is much more effective than praying under the influence of the world. Just saying. Don't wait until you're crushed before you think it's a good idea to pray. Pray early. Pray often. So our spiritual mind is so important because we have to have thoughts that are above the calamity. If you pray early, you'll have wisdom to get through the fracas. But if you wait until you're so overloaded you're going to just be shooting from the hip. We have to make sure that we receive the wisdom from above because the wisdom from beneath isn't very much wisdom at all. I don't know about you, but I kind of like it when the Spirit is in control versus myself. I don't, I don't have good control. I I'm, I'm, never have. My mother tried to um, teach me self-control. Uh, she 
I made sure my ears got big enough so that I could hear my elders when they spoke to me. Um, <laughs> I used to used to tease her and said, Mom, I, I know why I don't have any baby pictures because I was born so perfect with such perfect, small, little, wonderful ears. I said, and she said, well, you just, you just need to learn how to listen. And you know how she taught me how to listen? She just kind of lift me up by my ear and get me real close to her voice. <laughs> my mother was never a yeller. <clears throat> <laughs> but she had strong arms. <laughs> she she never had to yell. She would lift me right up to her whisper. <laughs> I love my mom. But a, a spiritual mind is so important because we have to have thoughts above a calamity. Oftentimes the calamity is choosing our thoughts for us. Anybody looking around in our world today? Our calamity is causing us to react instead of to be wise. And oftentimes a reaction because of the pressure of the calamity is not what God is looking for. God's not looking for us to react at every calamity. God is looking for us to proact in prayer. If the church is not proactive in prayer, the church is going to be reactive to the world. passage that Jesus gives us as a kingdom principles, uh, he brings supernatural power to the human mind. And, uh, and, and a lot of times we wonder, what in the world, how can God give supernatural power to the human mind? He can. He brings supernatural power to the human mind because how else can God show physically how things ought to happen, how, how things happen physically, and how they can translate spiritually? God does that to us. He shows us physically things that He says spiritually we need to take care of. He shows us physically hung, physical hunger and physical thirst so that we can see the spiritual part the the nature of the spiritual part of that as well and I hope you understand what I'm trying to say He, he teaches us how we grow spiritually by showing us what babies go through physically you want to know how you're going to grow spiritually watch that baby Watch that baby when they, 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 they spew out all their food. Yep, we do it spiritually too. Watch that baby when they need a diaper change. We need it spiritually too. Watch that baby when they've eaten too much and they're unable to digest it all. We do it spiritually too. Watch that baby when they learn how to walk. They, they take one step and they fall down and, and everybody says, Yay! You don't do that spiritually when somebody falls down, do you? Uh-oh, now we've got a little bit of a hiccup there. We, can, we don't even like it when somebody needs a spiritual diaper change. We don't like it when somebody spiritually eats too much and then they throw up what they can't digest. 
Spiritually, we get so frustrated with people when all we have to do is just slow down and recognize we didn't kick our kids to another county when they did it. We loved them through the whole thing. We recognized them. Why? Because some of us probably had to take a class. And people say, well, people, they've been doing this for thousands of years, and this is how you do it. You know what? The church has been around for thousands of years now, too. Why don't we pay attention to these things? Hello? Might as well shut the lights off because I don't think anybody's here. I'll behave. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm just trying to remind us, hello, spiritually we recognize this because physically we understand it. If we aren't recognizing it spiritually, maybe we don't understand it as well as we ought to physically. We need to, we, we need to say, I, I, I love my babies when they throw up. I love my babies when they mess their diaper. I love my babies when they fall down and when they get back up again. I love my babies when I watch them take off running and they, and they, and they, and they run into a light, line of chairs and knock them all over. I can kind of chuckle and pick up the chairs and say, all right, let's just not quite you know, pay attention where you're going next time. I don't kick them. Scream at him and say, what are you, stupid kid? What do you do that for? Right. He's kind of saying, no, I guess you learned that you don't, you don't run like that. You don't do that. Of course, we don't let him run out into a freight train like that, do we? But, but, uh, but anyway, God, God is trying to tell us, I've given you the physical nature so that you can understand the spiritual nature. And I don't think it was a secondary thing for God to say that. I think it was the intention of God to give the physical nature so that we could understand the spiritual nature. We think that God isn't smart enough to, to, to do that intentionally, but that's how wisdom works. Wisdom works by giving you a perfect illustration and God gave us a perfect spiritual illustration by giving you a physical body. And oftentimes we just can't figure that out. There'll be people that are going to be 75 years old and say, I just don't know what my purpose is. They can't figure it out. They couldn't figure it out when they were teenagers. But they fell into the rut of the, of the physical machine of the world and they went through all the physical motions of everyone around them that they saw going through. Well, so-and-so is doing this, so I'm going to do this. 
They've been doing it for 40 years. I guess I have to do it for 40 years. They haven't had peace for 40 years, but I guess that's just the, the lot in life I've been given. And we become plugging through society and plugging through life. And we wake up, we're 50, 60, 70 years old, and we're like, I don't have a clue what in the world. I mean, what is my purpose? The Lord gave a physical nature as a perfect illustration for your spiritual nature. If we're going to have holiness, if we're going to have inner righteousness, if we're going to have these promises that God gave fulfilled, we're going to have to keep the spirit man in mind. We're going to have to keep the spirit man in mind. It's a great blessing that comes from the spiritual mind, especially to those who are willing to exercise their mind toward godliness. If we exercise our spiritual mind towards ignorance of, uh, of the spirit of God and, and, and we don't control different things and we, and we, we don't have any clarity because, we're, because all we do is we see problems but we never see solutions. We, we see the struggle of humanity but we don't see the peace and the salvation that God offers humanity. If we're not feeding the spirit mind, there's no wonder we're a society filled with anger. There's some ways we can, we, we can build up the spirit mind. And, and of course, you've heard it hundreds of times. Prayer. Wow. Why is it pastor keeps talking about prayer? What in the world? Uh, my, my brother pastors a church, and, 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 and uh, there, was, there was a guy there one time. He said, As I don't think I can come to this church anymore. All you do is just pray. Now, my, my brother wasn't new to the ministry, but he was very new to pastoring. And, uh, and he, he, he dealt with it much better than I did. Of course, I wasn't there. I don't know how he actually dealt with it. But... Uh, but when he's telling me the story, he dealt with it a lot better than I did. I would have. I was just throwing the guy out. I'd have probably said, you dingbat. Of course we pray. We believe. <laughs> but my brother is much wiser than I am. <clears throat> much, much smarter than I am. And a lot more contained than I am. I just my my mother gave me big ears, but <clears throat> but she didn't she didn't give me a small mouth. Um, <laughs> she, she taught me to listen well, but she didn't teach me to stop talking. But anyway, uh, so so anyway, the uh, it, uh, what else do we have for a better tool than prayer? We have no greater tool than prayer, and yet. It's the number one tool that you neglect when asked to use it. Yeah, somebody else knows how to use it better than I do. Somebody else knows how to pray better. Suddenly we start comparing prayer, our prayer, to somebody else's prayer. That's not very smart at all. In fact, I'll just go, I'll just say it's foolish. Totally foolish. 
And, and so we, 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 cannot, we cannot compare the way we pray to somebody else. I'll tell you, the people that pray the most effectively are the people that have had to learn to pray. It's not because they've been taught from some textbook. It's because they, they, they've, had to, they, they've had to find themselves an altar just to stay alive. They've had to depend on God. They've been through, they, they've had to pray their way through a whole lot of muck and mire and, and pain, blood and guts and stress. They've had to pray their way through that. So don't wish that you could pray like someone else. Because that means you have to pay what they paid. Remember a story of Brother Arnold? Some of you know Brother Arnold, and God bless him. Um, he, some young boy came up to the altar one day and said, Brother Arnold, I want you to pray your anointing on me. I want to preach like you preach. I want to pray like you pray. He grabbed that kid by the head, both hands. He said, God, I want you to bankrupt him like you bankrupted me. God, I want you to put him through the hell that I had to go through. God, I want you to, I want you to drag his name through the mud and the muck and the mire. And the kid shook loose. He says, you want what I have, you're going to have to pay what I had to pay. You, you, you really think that this, just, that this just all comes for free. Don't, don't wish that you could pray like somebody else. Because you're probably going to have to end up paying the price that somebody else paid. Pray like you pray. Pray with the, with the righteousness and the fervency and, effectual and effectiveness that you have. And don't you worry, God's going to give you plenty of experience to pray more effectively. But don't make it the tool that you let somebody else use while you just keep yours nice and shiny for the day that you're going to have to pull your tool out of the box. When we ask you to come and pray, please come and pray. Number one thing people say, well, I just don't know what to pray for. (laughs) Well, just kind of get on your knees and backtrack a little bit through the last week that you lived and you'll have more to pray for than you have time to pray for. I don't have to go very far back. I can go back a couple hours and I already have a list that's too long. Don't let the devil tell you, well, you're all good. You don't have anything to pray for. You're all wonderful. Anytime somebody somebody just asks you for prayer, uh, asks you to, you know, you have any prayer requests and some people are like, well, no, no. But But then you start to pray and all of a sudden requests are pouring out of your spirit. Everybody ever notice that? 
When you're asked, you don't have anything to add, but when you start praying, all of a sudden your spirit starts emptying out. This person and this situation and that person and their situation and, and that, that loved one that, you, uh, that you've been talking to and that, that, that conversation you had a month ago that you still can't seem to get past and, and all these different things just start pouring out. So don't think that you never have anything to pray for. Start praying and you'll have plenty. Without lots of prayer, you're not going to have a very spiritual mind. You're going to have an oppressed mind. Discernment is, is a big thing. We talked about this a few weeks back, and for, for a few weeks actually. Examine uh, things that, that we're faced with and seek after a deeper spiritual knowledge supplied by God, uh, not by the world, so that we can judge between good and bad. We need to, we, we need to be more discerning so that, we, so that we know where to minister. We have to know. We have to know what do we say, where do we say it. And uh, decisions, you have to make clear and correct choices uh, from the Word of God um, that, that'll, that'll guide you and that'll make you seek out righteousness and the right way to live and walk. Uh, these matters are, are, are by, by which a, a godly person will settle themselves is not just a, a, a do, rather than a, but rather it's, it's a be. Often we, we get caught up in the doing and we forget about the being. But I'm not just a human doing. I'm a human being. We have to prevent carelessness and negligence in our, in our society. Yes, it is on the church. Because if you're expecting the government to do it, forget it. Would you stand with me? I, I really I, I really don't have, have time and the need to, to preach any longer. Um we, we, we need to recognize what we're hungry for. We need to recognize what we're hungry for. And, and oftentimes, people are hungry for, for social um, uh, uh, things, you know, uh, d- different social, uh, I, I don't even know, I, I can't think of the word, but uh, we're, we're hungry for social agendas, if you will. We're, we're hungry for things like that. We, 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 are, we are throwing away the Spirit of the Lord for so many things um, that are on the surface of humanity. The the church should not be backing down to the world. The church should be carrying the world to Jesus instead of letting the world carry the church back to hell. We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We've been filled. Hallelujah. We've been filled. Hallelujah. We've been filled. And we never got filled with God's Spirit until we got hungry for God's Spirit. 
We never got filled with God's Spirit because we thought one day it was just a good idea. We got filled with God's Spirit because we were so hungry for God, because we were so tired of this world, because we needed peace, because we needed joy, because we needed salvation, because we needed something that was going to help us to live, not something that was going to connect us more to to death, but something that was going to connect us to life. We needed it. We started hungering for God and thirsting for God. Because we recognize the world did not satisfy. Would you come around this altar tonight? By the time Jesus came into the world, they, they, they were so oppressed. They were so hungry. We're so thirsty for something real. The word of God that they had heard all their lives was, was, not, was not the word of God that, they, that, that was feeding them. They were, they were being fed more by society than they were by, by truth. <clears throat> truth, had, in fact, had been decayed because, because of the ones that were trying to carry the truth were not doing it for the Lord. They were doing it for themselves. And... They weren't pointing people towards God. If they were pointing people towards God, they would have recognized Jesus was that manifestation because they would have been searching for the Lord that they were pointing people towards. But they they were pointing people towards themselves and they wanted to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. They did crucify Him. Guess what? We crucified Jesus. We crucified Jesus based on our prior beliefs, based on our prior um, uh, teaching, based on our prior indoctrination, based on our, our understanding of righteousness, we crucify the Lord. Had we known then what we know now, we sure would not have crucified the Lord. But here we are, church, mandated, not by the governor, but mandated by the Lord Himself to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Teach them who He is. Tell them who He is. And show them through your lifestyle who He is. And oh holy God, tonight we come to You. Oh God, we come to You tonight, Jesus. I don't want to bring you a shopping list. I don't want to cry out for, for pain relief. I don't want to cry out, oh God, for just a little bit more energy to make it, help me make it through another day. God, what I want to do, Lord Jesus, is I want to ask you to lay some soul upon my heart. Lay some soul upon my heart, like the old song says, that I might love that soul to you. Help me, Lord Jesus.
to be able to reach somebody for you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to to be able to tell somebody about you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to put my own junk aside, to put my own junk on the altar, to to stop worrying about my own problems, God, because when my problems become bigger than my prayer life, Lord Jesus, they have consumed me. So, Lord, I'm not going to just neglect my problems, but I am going to ignore them because I know that my heart is in your hands I know that my life is in your hands I know that I've committed myself to you Lord Jesus and I know that you will take care of me I know that I can make it through tomorrow oh God I know that I can be led by your spirit Lord Jesus I I pray oh God for you to strengthen my family for you to strengthen my church for you to strengthen my, my, my nation Lord Jesus oh hallelujah but God I pray for you to lead me through oh God if I can change my focus Lord from the surroundings that I'm in to the blessing oh God where you dwell if I can change my focus, oh God, if I can start looking up, if I can start lifting up my head, if I can start crying out worship and praise to you instead of crying out and worship and, 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 and begging you, oh Jesus. If I can stop crying out in pain and start crying out in praise. My world's going to be different, Lord Jesus. My outlook's going to be different, Lord Jesus. My home's going to be different, Lord Jesus. My family's going to be different, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 When I can love those around me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Instead of being critical and degrading to those around me, God. If I can love those around me, Lord, help me, Father. In the name of Jesus, help me, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If I can begin to appreciate others again, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. If we can be filled with your Spirit again, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If we can be filled with your love again, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. If we can be covered by your blood again, Jesus. Hallelujah. If we can be covered with your grace and mercy, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. If I can have a grateful heart again, Lord Jesus. Instead of a hateful heart, God. Oh, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If I can just be hungry again, Lord. If I can just make myself hungry again, Lord. For you. Oh, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I can make myself hungry for you, Lord, instead of waiting for the world to oppress me and spiritually starve me, oh God, I can be yours again, Lord. I can be closer to you, Lord. I can do for you, Lord. 
I can be for you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. If I can care for my brother and sister. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we just do something here a little bit tonight? Why don't we just gather with somebody, gather with one another and gather with somebody and just and just reach out to them, touch each other's shoulder, if you will, and just pray with one another right now. Just pray with one another. Just, just touch each other's shoulder tonight and just pray with one another in the name of Jesus. Why don't we just find, find a brother or sister to pray with right now? Oh, hallelujah, my King. Oh, hallelujah, my King. I do love you, O oh God, and I do praise you, O oh God. Lord Jesus, I ask you, O oh God, I ask you, my Father, to let your Spirit do a great work. I ask you to let your spirit do a great work. I ask you to let your power, O oh God, do a great work. I ask you, God, to let your name do a great work. I ask you, God, to let your blood do a great work. I ask you for protection over this church. Oh God, I ask you for protection over this county. Oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you push back every evil spirit. God, help your people right now as we push back every evil spirit. God, by praising you, by worshiping you, by letting our voices out. Oh, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, you're mighty. Oh God, you're mighty. Oh God, oh God, you're holy. Oh God, you're worthy. Oh God, you're worthy. I give you praise, Lord Jesus. I give you praise, Lord Jesus. I give you adoration, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you glory, Lord. I give you praise, Lord. Oh, God, help us to be hungry for you. Help us to be hungry for you, Lord. Help us to be hungry for you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you all glory and praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you all praise and glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, my King. I thank you, my King. I thank you, my King.